There's this condominium where the richest people live. They throw their money at each other. They throw money at themselves. They throw money at their problems, and they throw money through the juicer. They even throw money at an invisible dog. This is Blinding Innocence. Welcome to the Innocence. Aren't you just dying to know what it's like to live here? Wait, no, that's not it. What is it again? Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Innocence, where everyone is just dying to die. I mean live. Where the people are just living to die. Live. The residents are living here. I... I'm all sweaty now. Anyway... Due to the soap opera's long-running status, it inspired many other taglines throughout pop culture. Did you know that? To keep the show fresh, the writers would often rework the tagline based on different seasons. The tagline for the show during the 70s was, No one can hear you scream when you live at the innocence. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It inspired the tagline to the movie Alien. In space, no one can hear you scream. Obviously, the writers of Alien were watching this little old soap opera called Blinding Innocence. And it doesn't stop the taglines. Movies, TV shows, comics, all of them drew inspiration from Blinding Innocence. It was the rock in the pond of pop culture that caused quite the ripple effect. I mean, during the press tour for Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts told reporters that she based her character on Romana Twittington from the 80s. Twittington had her own rags to which a storyline, but she wasn't a hooker. She started out as a street-performing clown. Blinding Innocence is a cultural gem more powerful than Harry Potter. But we need to stop there, because we're about to get to a good part. In this scene, Jordan Nightingale is standing outside of Betty Lou's door, ready to raise hell. Oh, and by the way, the writers just unleashed their latest tagline at the start of this season. It's simply... We're all innocent here. Knocking with swift deafness, Jordan Nightingale was ready to bust down Betty Lou's door. She had stuck her unwanted West Elm catalog into his mailbox one last time. He wanted to give her the what for and then head to bed. He needed his beauty sleep because he had to film his latest commercial in the morning. I know you're in there watching Jeopardy reruns, Betty Lou, he shouted, his lips almost touching the blue paint on her door. He squeezed his left eye to see if he could see any light flickering. We all know you have a thing for Alex Trebek. Silence still. Come on, Betty. You said you'd start giving me catalogs from the container store. You know I can't step foot in that place. My father... He works for Rubbermaid. If he found out what I keep my winter clothes in, he trailed off. He pressed his palm against the door and then turned his back to it and then slid down to the floor, sinking his head toward his knees. Betty, he whispered. I heard you were looking for this, a woman's voice said. Jordan looked down at the catalog and then up to the fish-netted legs of Vivica Johnson. It's last month's, but I'm sure some of the containers are still available online. Jordan picked up the catalog and watched as Vivica and her fishnet sauntered away. 
I need a change of scenery, she said, so I'm headed to the roof for a smoke. Want to keep me company, she asked, a cigarette already dangling from her dark red lips. Jordan got up, smoothed out his suit jacket, and smiled. Of course, he said. I would love to. Because he wanted to get to know Vivica just a little bit more. And as he flipped through the container store catalog, he saw exactly what he was looking for on page 43. And it wasn't for storing his winter clothes. As Vivica and Jordan take the elevator up to the roof, which has a pool, cabana, and many other amenities, it's to be noticed how realistic the set looked. What really made Blinding Innocent such a treasure was the scenery. The creator, Duanye Remington, didn't want to film the show in some studio lot the way other television shows were filmed. He wanted the real thing. So he purchased a foreclosed condominium complex and went to work turning it into his piece de resistance. If filming went way into the night, rooms were always available for the cast and crew to stay. Remington became so obsessed with the Innocence Complex that he began to live there. In fact, he got all Howard Hughes about it, and the last season he was in charge, he wrote and directed an entire season from the 23rd floor, which he ended up catching on fire. Sadly, he didn't make it, but it inspired an entire story arc. The evening sunset illuminated the sky and set it on fire like pink cotton candy as Daphne, Jameson, and Natasha sat by the pool. Daphne moved a swatch of black hair and placed it behind her ear, showing off a long emerald earring. So that's it then, she said. She closed the giant binder filled with wedding plans. I believe we are all set for the wedding of the century. It's going to be killer, Natasha said. Absolutely to die for. Like, people are literally going to die. It will be so good, there will be dead bodies. Jameson interrupted, grabbed Natasha's hand, and pulled her close. Honey, you're beginning to scare Daphne. Please, Daphne said, if at least a few people don't die from how absolutely amazing the ceremony will be, then I haven't done my job as wedding planner extraordinaire. You're just lucky the best in the city lives right here with you at the Innocence. For the wedding later that month, the pool was going to be drained of water and filled with champagne. Floating planks were going to hold the official and Jameson, as well as the entire wedding party. And instead of walking down the aisle, Natasha was going to come up from the champagne pool, walk up the steps to the floating planks, and become instantly dry right before they performed their nuptials. And it's going to be so exotic with all those vultures everywhere, Natasha said gushing. Flamingos, Jameson interrupted, nudging Natasha in the boob. Honey, we agreed on flamingos. You know the different meats from around the world wouldn't make it if we had vultures at your wedding, Daphne mused. Natasha giggled. Of course, flamingos. Jameson gave her the side eye. She had almost blown their cover. Vultures were her favorite way of discarding bodies. Well, if we're all done here, 
Daphne mm. groaned, picking up the enormous binder. I say we head back in. It feels like it's going to be a cool night. She struggled to pick up the binder, mm. moaning. What's in here? Explosives? Natasha giggled <laughs> some more. Explosive ideas? That binder's just filled with them. They walked to the lobby, and after Jameson pushed the down button, the elevator opened and Jordan and Vivica appeared in a plume of blue smoke. They all said good evening to each other by ignoring the very fact that the other even existed. And then Daphne, Natasha, and Jameson entered the elevator. Jameson pushed the button for the 23rd floor, and Daphne pushed the button for the 15th. Right before Natasha and Jameson got off on the 23rd floor, Natasha leaned in and gave Daphne a quick squeeze, thanking her for all her help. But as the doors closed after them, Daphne could have sworn she smelled something eerily familiar. Burnt popcorn. This is the part where you're going to meet Beverly Cleary, not the famous children's author. She's a single older woman and has lived at the Innocence for almost as long as Betty Lou, which is kind of insulting since we've learned that Betty Lou doesn't age, which doesn't matter because Beverly has had like a million husbands. I think she's had one each season. It's a thing now. She gets married to a man at the start of the season and he dies a tragic death by the end of the season. Beverly is always a suspect, but she never does it. The writers always make sure she has the most amazing alibi. The latest, she was on YouTube live, going to the bathroom. And it was loud. Quite the performance. It almost won Best Original Song at the Oscars. Of course, it wasn't on purpose. I mean, she was going to the bathroom on purpose, obviously. I mean, it wasn't planned. As you get older and you eat spicy Mexican, it's never planned. I mean, it's planned. You know it's going to happen. You just don't know when it's going to happen. For lunch that day, Beverly ate her favorite spicy burrito with the knowledge she was going to pay the toll later. What she didn't realize was, while watching YouTube and doing her spicy business, she was going to drop the phone on the floor, pick it up, and while wiping it off, somehow logged onto her YouTube account and turned on live streaming. She had 1 million views in just a few seconds. You should hear the remixes. Her line to the police while being investigated for her latest husband's murder was gold. How could I have murdered my husband, John, officer, if I was busy getting 1 million views using the John? Regina Scorched Earth, who plays Beverly Cleary, won the Best Supporting Actress Emmy that year, all because of that line. Beverly Cleary, not the famous children's author, stood in the lobby waiting for an elevator. For the first time in decades, she was returning home from an event to an empty house. Well, not a house. The Innocence was a condominium. So she was returning home from an event to an empty condo. After so many husbands and a small chest filled with diamond wedding bands, it was time for her to go it alone. With the help of Glennon Doyle, she knew she could do it. She wanted to fancy herself a modern woman. As she pressed the up button for the next elevator, she looked down at her aqua-colored heels, clicked them a few times, and adjusted her hat when the flash of blue and red lights caught the corner of her eye. 
What on earth? She said aloud. She stepped away from the elevator door to see if she could make out what was going on through the revolving doors. But her elevator dinged open. She stepped forward, about to miss her elevator, when she felt a sharp pain race down her stomach. The spicy burrito. She forgot she had one for lunch. She was going to have to find out why the police were here later. Nature wasn't going to wait. She opened her purse and made sure her phone was on airplane mode, just in case. She also made sure there was room in there, just in case. She could easily afford a new coach purse. She stepped onto the elevator as beads of sweat gleamed her forehead. She wasn't sure she was going to make it. Taking deep breaths, she heard voices come in through the front door. And as the elevator doors began to close, she saw two police officers dart past and shout about a body being on the 23rd floor. Welcome to the innocence where everyone is just dying to live. Will we find out why Jordan needs a container? Will we find out who Jameson and Natasha really are? Will Beverly Cleary, not the famous children's author, ever learn to avoid the spicy burrito? Tune in next time for... Blinding Innocence!